Hi everyone, uh, my name's Josh. Uh, it's really nice to be able to share with you today, continuing our series, Restricted Yet Advancing, and to think through how individually uh, and corporately as an, as an online church as we are now, we can, in, at a time of restriction, still be advancing. And um, Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, wanting them to have a mindset to make those kinds of things happen. And his mindset was to live as Jesus, for others, that that be a top priority, a first priority, something that all other things were dictated by and stemmed from, and particularly at a time like now, when we're wanting to advance, it's important to know where we've come from, where we are now, and where we are going. Uh, and maybe you've been thinking and feeling in the past week that you don't really know what's going on or what's happening as we go forward. There's a lack of clarity, maybe. Well, Paul outlines in this in this part of the letter stuff to do with the past, stuff to do with the present, and stuff to do with the future that I think we can apply to our lives today. Verses 1 to 6 in many ways represents the past, um, and in this season sometimes the attitudes of where we get maybe our self-worth from, this idea of, of work and, and family life, and some of the things that we set up as the way our lives looked in, in the past have all changed in this season, and suddenly maybe we're rocked by that. And, and actually, what we value and what we see as valuable is so often what we base our lives on. And Paul looks back at the past, but looking sounding like he's actually bragging about what he's got going. But we see quite quickly that he's not doing that. But let's have a read of verse 3 to 6 or 4 to 6, where he kind of launches into his testimony. He talks about, and he says, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, confidence in who you and I are, Paul's saying, I've got more. He says, circumcised on the eighth day, that was the best time to do it, they say. So he's kind of following these old law requirements. He's from a prominent tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews, i.e. both of his parents were Hebrew. And in regard to the law, a Pharisee. In other words, he knew the word of God well, he knew the Torah really well, and he could apply it, he could understand it. And as for zeal, is, is he somebody who gives his best to things? Well, he went around persecuting Christians and being like, actually, you are using Jesus as being blasphemous and I can't let him get away with that. So he goes through this list of religious accomplishments. And in a minute, we're going to see what he thinks of those. But for us, because Paul lays out his social status, his being known, his influence, and maybe for us, growing up in a Christian family, this kind of Hebrew of Hebrews idea, or being people of influence in a workplace or in our family, caring about how we look at church or at work, the importance of titles, credentials, all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of the mirror of what Paul's talking about in these verses. Or his status as a Pharisee, so, you know, he knew the, the book, he knew the Torah, he knew it well. And um, maybe for us having letters after our names or before our names, climbing up the work ladder, winning prizes and accolades, knowing the Bible really well and being able to explain that to other people, feeling theologically superior to others. Maybe that's where we're at. And he talked about his religious status, faultless, when it came to the law. And maybe we like being perceived by other people to be a good Christian perceived by others to be smashing the religious do's and don'ts, first on HTC daily, first to pray, last to leave, giving all the money to church, all the different things that maybe we, good things possibly, that we have begun to put our value, our status in. And Paul is reminding us at the start of this passage, first one, to rejoice in the truth of the gospel. That's the thing that matters most. But then there's a warning. He talks about these dogs, these mutilators of the flesh. And in, in, in this, in this um, letter, Paul had been 
going round and he'd been saying stuff to churches, but people have been following him round, this group, the circumcision group they were called, and Paul would say, you're saved by grace, isn't that amazing? It's not about what you do, it's about what he's done, and these people were following him round going, that's great, but if you want to be a really excellent Christian, well, why don't you do what Paul says, but also keep all the old law requirements, be a super Christian in that way. But what Paul couldn't get past and what I don't think we should get past is that salvation cannot be attained by anything external that we have or anything that we do. All of these things that we've listed for him and for us are the stuff that maybe we value about ourselves. And he's stressing the importance of the message he is bringing. And people are trying to mess with it. And Paul doesn't like that. He tells us to get our posture right, to look back at the past of what Jesus has done on the cross and don't add to the glorious truth of the grace and freedom by trying to do anything. Just recognise what has been done. You see, So what posture can we set because of these verses? Well, verse one, we can rejoice. Rejoice that we are saved by grace. A posture of done, not do that Jesus has done it and we don't have to get there by doing anything and a posture that looks to Jesus to who Jesus says we are in the present not what we have built for ourselves on our CV in the past and that has to be a comfort in a time like now where so much is stripped back and so much is taken away a staying restricted posture looks like trying to do do everything we can to be accepted, to feel worthwhile. It relies on our past and current skill set or our CV. A restricted yet advancing posture looks like rejoicing in what God has done for us, building a life on who he says we are and living the life that he's called us to live today in his strength. So we have a posture because of the past, because of what Jesus has done for us. But now for the present, with this posture, what do we do when we are in the present. What do we do next? Let's read on. The slide's going to come up now, verse 7 and 8. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. A few years ago, um, Amy was clearing out our house, trying to declutter a little bit, throwing stuff away and taking stuff to the charity shop. And a few weeks after she'd been doing all this, I think we were coming to go to somebody else's wedding and I was looking for my, my suit from our wedding. And I found the jacket, put it on, I was looking around for the trousers and found a pair of trousers that were not my wedding suit trousers, but were very similar to my wedding suit trousers. And it, and it turned out that Amy had sent a whole bunch of clothes, including half of my wedding suit, to the charity shop. And whereas Amy accidentally got rid of this, in the bit of the passage we've just read, Paul is being a lot more deliberate about what he wants to throw out, what he considers trash or garbage, as he puts it in this passage. He's talking about all those things that we've looked at at the start of this talk, all of these things that are on his CV. We can relate them to the things that are on ours, the stuff that we hold of value, the stuff that we say is who we are and how we're perceived, all of that. All those things that are quite, in some ways, rightfully seen as gains, he says, I count them as loss. They're nothing compared to knowing Christ. I consider them garbage. And I think I find it easy to say, Jesus, I want you to be number one in my life. I think I find it easy to say that Jesus is number one in my life. But I felt super challenged as I prepared this that actually I don't really think that there's that big a difference between Jesus and the other stuff that's really important to me. And so even like maybe my reputation in church or in work, 
or in the world. Do I consider them garbage? I'm not sure that I do. I like the approval of others too much. I like status, perceived or otherwise, probably a little bit too much. And even good things that build a good reputation can become idols if prioritized in the wrong order. Is knowing Jesus that much higher than everything else? That if anything else, if God asks you to give up anything else, you can do it? Or is it, well, yes, Jesus is first, but everything else is slightly just there underneath, and I'm not really willing to give it up, actually. We've got to understand that this is a reality of comparison. If I truly compared any one of those other things to a life lived for Jesus now and a life with God in eternity, it, the comparison isn't a fair one. But how often do I let the reality of what that comparison looks like change my priorities? How much time do I have for Jesus in the everyday decisions that I make? Is this the filter by which I am doing it? Am I prioritizing? In and out of season, is Jesus a priority or a slight preference? Single-minded devotion, willing to give up everything else for? Do I treat it as rubbish? All this other stuff in comparison to knowing Jesus? I, I'm not sure I do. I think we should be challenged about that today. If we set a priority in the present, one that if we adopt it, it will set us up for both now and tomorrow. In this time where maybe like me, you're feeling frustrated about the lack of clarity we have in general, we can be clear about our priority being Jesus today. How do we make sure that we have the right priority? Well, let's keep reading our passage and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. To be found in him. Pursue an intimate relationship with Jesus, all my righteousness, all my confidence, everything is found in Jesus Christ. I can't do anything beyond thanking him for what he has already done. I bring nothing to the table other than that. I will not advance in this time apart from Jesus Christ. All the peace, all the power I need is in him. All I need in the present is in him. While we are restricted in our travel, in our socialising, in our work, why don't we intentionally make time to prioritise building on our relationship with Jesus? Remembering the status laid out in these verses, that it's about what he has done and not what we do. You know, intimacy, intimacy with Jesus leads to imitation. And maybe right now you feel like you're suffering in whatever way that is, whether it's COVID-19 related or otherwise. We can know his power in our suffering. Prioritising Jesus and walking with him, knowing his power in our lives, advancing our relationships with God and his kingdom in the process. Are we ready to set a priority in the present that leads us to a place where we can be restricted yet advancing? And so a posture of what Jesus has done in the past, a present priority and now the future. Let's keep reading. Not that I have already obtained all this. Or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Turn towards the prize. 
Paul is like, hey guys, even with my pre-conversion and post-conversion CV, I haven't taken hold of it yet. I haven't got it all sorted. I'm still working on stuff. I'm still looking to live in the present for Jesus as my priority. He says that there's something more to come. He says, this is not it. You know, he'll have seen stuff, the amazing ways that God has been using him and preaching and planting churches. And he's saying, this is not it. This is not the best thing. The prize is an eternity with Jesus. There is more. When I was training in college uh, to, to sprint, uh, my coach gave me a really good piece of advice. One that's simple, but one that I think is personal and helpful in what we're looking at today. He said, don't look back. Always look forward. You see this picture we've got here of Usain Bolt. He's probably the exception, the anomaly that proves the rule. He can look back and still get a world record, but it's not the same for all of us, and it doesn't apply to this passage today. You see, the reasoning is because looking back slows you down. The only way that you can run with everything you have inside of you is to focus on where you are running to and not where you are running from. And we often tell people that they need to turn from something, but we rarely tell them they need to turn to something. We often to get, try and get people to change by telling them to stop doing instead of to start doing. People today are running scared. Everyone is running scared, it seems, at the moment, whether we have worries about loneliness, uncertainty about money, fear of illness, fear of the unknown, uncertainty about the future. We can choose to focus on these things and be consumed by them. But maybe the best way to not be running scared at the moment as church, as an individual, corporately as the people of God, is to focus on the one thing that we do know. Jesus. Prioritise Make our focus him. Make the prize of a relationship with him now, living life and life of all of its fullness and an eternity with Jesus. Make that the prize and focus on it, not on these sufferings, on these troubles that we're in right now. Because change will only occur when people stop trying to run away from something and start running to someone. Paul says it like this in verse 12 and 13, like we just read. He says, turn towards the prize. The prize is Jesus. Verse 20 of this passage, we didn't get quite there today, but it says that our citizenship is in heaven. There is the prize. That's what Paul is running towards. That's what we are running towards as followers of Jesus. In other words, Paul is saying that he doesn't look back at his past, but he looks forward to his future. He stresses the point that the Philippians, to the Philippians that he's not running from something, but he is running to someone. How do we advance in this season uh, and in our future? We advance by looking at the prize, looking to Jesus, focusing on Jesus, looking to Jesus the only way that we can care more about what he thinks than what everybody else does. The only way that we can care more about the CV that we have as a child of God compared to the CV that we have in our world is by looking at Jesus. Looking at Jesus is the only way that we can make sure that physical lockdown isn't a spiritual lockdown. In response... We set the right posture, submitting to Jesus from do to done. We set the right priority, Jesus first, from part preference to priority. And we set our focus on the prize, an eternity with Jesus and life in all of its fullness now, pressing on, eyes fixed on Jesus. We're going to respond in some worship in a moment, but I'm just going to pray to close. Lord, I give you my heart. My decision is to follow you.
I submit to you, I put you first, I fix my eyes on you. Amen.